This is The School on Austin Street, a podcast about philosophy and literary reflections with your host, Kulsum Karakoch, an English teacher at Kinder HSPVA. Our guest today is Kimberly Hines, school registrar at Kinder HSPVA, previous math teacher, and lover of the arts. Hello, Ms. Hines. Hello. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Am I doing something wrong? Hey. No, I'm just wondering if it's my Wi-Fi, but it, it was like, yeah, I couldn't hear you properly. I can hear you now. I think I can hear you perfectly. Okay. So, um, thank you for doing this with me, Miss Hines. Of course. <laughs> Sunday. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Drove here from home, so that's my Sunday. This this yeah. may be the highlight of my Sunday. So yay. Okay. Well, you know, the topic isn't the the most uh, you know, light and fluffy. Right. <laughs> I just realized <laughs> it's uh it's kind of uh it's it's about sadness and and its relation to hope. So I'm just gonna dive in it. And of course, I'm starting to not be able to so, hear you now that you're gonna now that you sort of dive the meter. The connection was. I know. You know what? I think it's me. I don't think it's you. Once you started getting to the meat of it, I couldn't hear you anymore. (sighs) How about now? Get off of the Wi-Fi. It's better. I think it's better when it LTE. Okay. It's better now. Okay. So, um, so the, the, the podcast episode is about basically we're going to dive into this key question, which is, why do we feel sadness? And, um, and then I'm just going to go into um, a few of the, the vignettes in Sandra Cisneros' House on Mango Street and, yeah. um, and just talk about what Sandra Cisneros or what Esperanza, the, the, the protagonist, um, thinks about sadness and it's, you know, how we you know why, why people feel it in her community and the people she knows. So, um, so before we get started with the actual book, um, where do you, why do you think, why do you think we feel sadness as humans? <laughs> That's so profound. This is a philosophy club question, isn't it? It kind and of I is. Several. <laughs> it's okay. We are not thought- anymore. <laughs> I know. And of course, I thought about that. Also, I found the book in my daughter's um, room from her high school years and read. I can't remember which one I read, too. So I'm glad that I did. It was it's just always I mean, it's such a good book. So what, anyway, what, what book you. was it? The oh, House on Mongo Street. Yeah, oh, she's, still had it. Oh, she's a book 
freak. And so she keeps everything. And so I, I was like, this is in her room somewhere. And it was. So that was kind of nice um, to be able to read it, you know, with you kind of. Um, Thank you. So, <laughs> well, of course. Um, so anyway, sadness. So I thought about it a lot because you texted me the question. And I think... I mean, I think that there are personalities and people who are a little bit predisposed um, to feeling it. And then I started thinking about why that would be right. So, so sadness is linked to loss and loss can be anything. Loss can, loss is perceived loss, right? Um, as, as I see it, loss is, is a perception of something that's missing, lacking, gone, suddenly gone. Um, and with, uh, Sandra Cisneros, of course, over and over and over again, it had to do with the house. It had to do with a a place to be and a place to, a place of security and safety and, and belonging. And then of course the, I guess, status, um, that's probably the wrong word anyway, um, associated with that. But yeah. humans, yeah. So I, mean, I think there's a lot of shame. I think there's just sh- a lot of shame yep. throughout, That's- and that shame brought her a feeling of like despair too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So then you said that. So sadness. So people feel sadness, or humans feel sadness when they perceive loss. I guess, but it can be. It's different for different people, obviously. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of perceived loss. Yeah, that's that's perfect. Um, I I was you know when I was when I was thinking about this question, I totally you know whenever I tackle anything philosophical, I always just think about myself first, and then, yeah. um, and sometimes it's hard to get out of the web of myself to think about others. <laughs> Cause I could just be like, Oh yeah, I'm so predisposed to sadness and this is when I fall sad and blah, 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 blah. But, um, for me, yeah, it's, it's definitely loss, but it's, but I think, I think it's like, it's almost like this enjoyable feeling for me. I mean, mm. I almost felt like there's kind of like a coziness to it. Mm. Um, that is really bizarre that I find it kind of comforting I mean how messed up is that but it's um but it because it's been it's been I've always been sort of melancholy and I've been in my own world in my own head a lot and so I think it has to do with thinking too much Hmm. Um, (laughs) and and so there's that and like not being satisfied and so there is it's not it's not quite like I think there's so much there's such a spectrum right of of sadness like it can be like very subtle and um kind of nagging you a little but then it can be really really intense and and deep kind of you know like pain you know right um so so yeah I think my I've definitely been predisposed to it and there have been moments Mm. where I've really I've really you know swum I guess in the lake of sadness um Mm. but I um but throughout uh I I feel like it has to do with I think this idea of perception right like you talked about is it's kind of like if I I'm always going to be able to find something I'm not happy about in my life 
And as long as I have that desire for something else or something more, then I'm going to feel, you know, a, a, a little bit of pain. Um, and of course, maybe, maybe this is this, the, this is the reaction of somebody who hasn't lost someone super close, mm-hmm. uh, because I haven't, you know, I, and, and so I wonder like, you know, do I even have a right to, to talk about this topic? Um, <laughs> so of I, course I'm, you do. yeah, but I mean, it's, I, 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 I don't, yeah, you were, you were talking about your, your thoughts and I was just kind of chiming in a little bit with mine, but you, there's a second question and that is, um, how does sadness relate to hope? And I was, I was wondering how you'd, you know, if you thought about that. Definitely. Yeah. And you used the word when you, when you texted me the question or, and also when we talked about it in person, you used the word despair as well as sadness. Oh yeah. So, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that that's important. I want to throw something in though, about what you just said. Um, you used the word melancholy and melancholy is one of the personality types that's um, identified, right? There's like, the only ones I can think of right now are sanguine and melancholy and sanguine is like the, and this is in one of the personality profiles and yeah. sanguine is like the, you can't get them down people because they're never mind. It's all that psych stuff. Um, but, um, but the melancholy person is the, the one who like you, you just described it, like just sort of swims in the lake of sadness and that's yeah. okay to do. Um, yeah. So that was interesting. You used the word for the personality type. Um, okay. So despair and hope, and it's really strange. I don't mean to be like a complete downer, but it's really interesting timing on this because in the past nine days in the little tiny community I live in, right? Like Mm -hmm. in up up in Newton, Texas, well, Newton and Jasper attached to each other. So there's a grand total of 10,000 people in the, in the joined towns. Last week, one of my former, well, it's not about me. Last week, one of the former students from Jasper, who is a year younger than my daughter took her own life um, in a just horrible, tragic, like you talk about despair. I mean, that's, that's the root of, of those acts. It's just the the despair. And then yesterday in our tiny little town, um, the boy she had been seeing, uh, followed, followed. (gasps) And so I know, I know it's just, it's, you just, and so when these things happen, you're, you think about it anyway, of course you think as a teacher, you think, oh my gosh, what should I've done differently five years ago that would have, you know, girded her up better or whatever. But then you just start thinking about these kids and how do they get there? And what's all it, all it can possibly be is just the hope is not visible to them anymore. Yeah. And I think that hope and despair are like, I think it's like darkness and the smallest candle, because if despair is like utter and complete darkness, which I'm not making any statements about darkness or light. I'm just, if physics wise, if you have, if, if you let complete darkness represent despair, hope can be the absolute smallest pinprick of light. And and it's there and it's, and it's vibrant and it's something t- that you can, something that a person can see and reach towards and aim for. But if it's gone, it is. It's the gone. end of your life. Yeah. I mean, or I just, it, yeah, it could be, it might as well be right. I mean, it's, it's very, Apparently, yeah. It, yeah. I just, I just think the tiniest bit of hope 
kind of drowns out despair drowns out isn't a good word but um yeah and again going back to your your idea of perception like it's perceived like um perceived hope too right 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 um because it's it's just your ability to perceive whatever like perceive perceive the future perceive getting out of um the pain that you're in um yeah yeah and they can't they they these two kids in particular just that that's it's just my my frame of reference this week which is weird um these two kids just couldn't find it they just couldn't find where anything was besides hopelessness which I guess is almost synonymous with despair yeah yeah just couldn't couldn't perceive that there was any hope at all yeah (sighs) I mean, I, you know, this, this reminds me of, um, I know we're getting off topic and that's okay. We're actually not getting off topic because I think this is going to be really good. Um, once I, I, I edit it down a little bit, but I think this reminds me of, um, 10 years ago. Well, about five years ago, actually. Um, I, my, my, the class that I sponsored at DeBakey class of 2010, we had, uh, about five years ago, they were, they were probably 23 years old about four mm. kids four kids almost back to back to back had taken Took their lives mm-hmm. holy mommy but you know they were they were asian south asian you know families and um they wouldn't say they said they died in their sleep mm. and they wouldn't say that it was um suicide but I had spoken to some other students because they were all going to U of H I think one of them was like um pre-med and yeah so like they were all these and 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 there was just this it's like this this picture I saw on on one of the students Facebook where he was like they he was close to the girl who had taken her life right after he took his life and it was just like they were in this picture and it was just haunting it was just just horrible you know Mm -hmm. and it was four students and it was like one one month two of them and then a few months later another two and it was almost like they were all connected or something you know it was very very and and all of them were mysterious and the parents wouldn't talk about it you know it was just like oh they died you know trot like they just out of the blue um so then there's this shame wrapped into it as well and um and it's it's horrible but yeah, I mean, I think this is a topic where, you know, suicide is inevitably going to come up, right? Because mm-hmm. there is no, yeah, there's, that's the ultimate sadness. Um, yeah. I mean, that's just an act of, I, there's no other, there's no other option. I mean, it, they, they know that it's permanent and they know, I mean, let's say they know what they're doing, to you know to a certain degree they know what they're doing and so it, it's got to be that they see no other option at all and that's just and it's I mean I know it's very re- I, I, I acknowledge I don't know I acknowledge that it's very very real and that depression like the, con- the chronic depression is a lot of times involved but again it's a, it's a perception of there is no hope I mean hope it's such a little word and we throw it around and we do things like hope so and cross our fingers and yeah it's such a force 
or the lack of it is such a force. The absence of hope is such a force. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I'm, and I'm sure some people would, would kind of say that, Hey, it's a chemical thing and, you know, depression is chemical and, 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 all, and all of that. And I think there's, there's truth to all of it. You right. know, there's, there is, but I feel like the root of it is it's different for everybody. Right. Um, right. Like you said, like some people are predisposed, you know, there's events that take place that trigger us. Um, there are situations we're in where we just need to be get, getting out of it, like a, like a job that is just sucking the happiness <laughs> out of you, you know, for instance. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry that that made me laugh. <laughs> sorry, it's just, you know. But, you know, there's so many things that some of them, you know, are environmental reasons and some of them are just these huge losses that we can't fathom and can't bear to to physically get through, you know? Yeah. Um. And then some of us are just predisposed and need the right medication to get through a time or maybe, maybe get through life. I mean, some people do, right? So yeah. When you just said that about get through a time, I didn't even think about that because the chemical changes that come with sometimes with the hormonal stuff of age, um, like, you know, when you're 14 or whatever, but also like postpartum and that's right. I'd forgotten actually that there's a, there's a seasonal kind of um, depression. I mean, um, the chemicals in your brain. So yeah, I've forgotten that. It's such a topic. (laughs) Are you there? Hey, sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. I'm I and I made sure that I wasn't on Wi-Fi because sometimes when I'm in this room, my Wi-Fi is acting weird. I need one of those extenders. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you have them, but um, and how well they work. But I think, but I don't think I don't know what happened. I don't know, but it's okay. Maybe there was a limit in how much you could record. Then you have to record another. But the other one will process, and then I will just edit and stream it together. So okay. Good. Yeah. So we, we had that segment and now, um, now it's a good time to like talk about, um, the book a little bit because, um, you know, if you don't mind just kind of diving into that, um, because I, I felt like each story that, you know, most of them were about young women who Esperanza witnessed, who experienced domestic violence of some kind or a very controlling father figure or, you know, romantic figure in their lives. And they were just trapped in these relationships with kids. And then, you know, some of them with kids, some of them without kids. And it, it just served as a warning for Esperanza to just never get married and never have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she would see every one of these women in like these situations where they were essentially, you know, in, in a a jail or in a prison of their own, not of their own making sometimes, but most of the time it wasn't. I mean, it was just the families they were in, the culture they were, they were in. And, um, and it, and what I wanted to say is that, 
there wasn't any hope that um, that Esperanza really saw for their future, you know? Um, and yeah. if, if anything, they, those characters like Sally. Sally. And, oh yes, my gosh. I know. Sally's, Sally's a mess. Poor Sally. Yeah. But, yeah. It reinforced, um, it, it reinforced the, her, I, I'm going to use the word negativity, even though that's probably not her avoidant. Like it, it reinforced the over and over again, everything she saw made her flee, right? Flee in her mind from, from what, um, from their fate. Not, it's not fate. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, just run away. Um, don't do this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Don't get married young like leave you know don't stay in this town don't um don't meet those boys because mm-hmm. one of them's gonna you know yeah. just I guess school and books and were her only you know safe haven and and it served her well because she yeah. is you know when you when you see where her life took her she's now like in this massive house in Mexico and has never gotten married, never had kids, and has been this, you know, amazing writer her whole life, you know, um, Sandra Cisneros. So she really did take that to heart. Um, and she became a teacher and a professor and um, and just kept writing. And that was her life. You know, well, and, I don't think that was her life. She's still alive, but, you know. Right. But, I mean, yeah. that has been her life's work, and, that's, and it's an incredible um, – her it's an incredible body of contribution <laughs> that she has made um i liked um the foreword that riley's book had i'm assuming you guys have the same book where she talks about um what was i going to say the a house of my own that she wrote at the 25 year yeah it's like the foreword yeah 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 um well, she just, she, she talks about these experiences and she describes, I never knew this. Um, I, I'm really bad about reading forwards, but I didn't know that because I always thought Esperanza meant hope, like just, oh, it means hope. That's so sweet. Even, yeah. you know, reading the pieces when I taught it, however many years ago that was, um, to when, like I had kids read her pieces in prose and poetry for UIL to when my daughter read it as a freshman, I never knew until yesterday that Esperanza doesn't, it means hope, but it doesn't really mean hope as in hopeful hope. It means like you're stuck here. It means, I can't even remember what she said now, but that was quite an epiphany that obviously didn't stay with me for 24 hours, but that it doesn't, it doesn't mean hope the way we think it means hope that the name Esperanza is, and she wanted to change it so badly. And yes, um, like she, it means waiting. It's like, but it's in a negative way. Yeah. It's yeah. more like, yeah, hope, but, you know, don't get your hopes up kind of hope is, is kind of what it sounded like to me. Yeah. There's a word in, um, there's a very, there's an Arabic word, inshallah, which has so many constant connotations mm-hmm. and um, it means God willing. And it's got like, if, if you say it in certain cultures, it, people believe like sometimes people are like yeah yeah right it's not gonna happen um oh, no. and then in other cultures like people take it more seriously but it used to be where like when I would say that word you know let's say I would see Zuffer's like uncle somewhere at like a 
you know, at the Grand Bazaar and he'd be like, we should meet up and, you know, hang out and eat dinner somewhere. And, and then I would say, inshallah, he'd be like, no, no, I mean it really. <laughs> like, um, even though it means God willing, it, there's this, um, this, this feeling of, you know, in your dreams, I, I guess that's what it is. That's huh. it is. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then religious people don't like it being used that way, but it's sort of become that way um, over time. Mm, casualness, right? Like yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, in that way, I think that's what you meant is that Esperanza <laughs> means in your dreams rather than like a real... Yeah a real hope hopeful hope yeah 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 like um like hope as in not just like like making it hope being your light source as you make your dreams a reality um oh, that's nice yeah that's and good Oh, thank you. Oh, well, I, I left, you know, and I was thinking of Obama because every time you think of hope, it's like, I, I think of that poster, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so, um, so there are, there's a, a section where I told the students to come up with three, three other open-ended questions about the topic. And, oh. um, and so I'm just going to pose those questions and see if something comes out of one of them because I mm -hmm. think this conversation could be easily be really really long and I'm not sure if I want my students to to do that because this is already just just feeling this this might be too this might be too long for them unless but they're not like us we we go on or <laughs> I was just thinking that I was like well it's you and me so that's they're gonna be like <laughs> answering the question and that's it yeah and then um, <laughs> No, but the, the three questions I had were, how can sadness be subcategorized? Hmm. Um, and then there was, is it possible to understand true joy without understanding true sadness? That's good. And then what advice have philosophers historically given about overcoming sadness, which I haven't really delved into too much. So let's, let's just talk about the two that I mentioned before, which mm -hmm. were the subcategories or is it possible to understand true joy without understanding true sadness? Which one are you, which, which one do you have a thought about? Well, both. Let me think for just a second. Okay. Um, the subcategories kind of intrigued me, but that's just my left brain going, oh, okay. Because like you talked about at the very beginning, um, the sadness that you kind of find comfort in or you enjoy, but not, it's those, it's those days when you just want to go ahead and let yourself self feel sad. So there's that kind of sadness, but then there's the profound sadness that we like classify as depression, I guess, um, that you, that the person can't, can't find a way to escape from. And so I, I think it's important to recognize the subcategories, I guess, of sadness. I, yeah. I guess I just sort of did a gradation, not really categories, sort of a, I did yeah. a continuum, but, but it's, um, a, it's a spectrum. I mean, it's definitely that. a spectrum. It's, it's definitely, there's a lot to it. And when I was thinking about the most recent time that I felt super sad was, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, when I was like trapped with my kids in the house, trying to think about what the heck can I do? Mm -hmm. 
to just not do the same thing over and over every single day and feel like I'm a hamster, you know, mm-hmm. you know, just get, get the heck out of the house, take drives. I was like doing the same thing every day at the same time. And I just felt like the, 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 the repetition of everything was just driving me crazy and the, the serving everybody else's needs. <laughs> And then also, really, because I was not happy doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't really know if this was your experience, but I think for, for a lot of people and definitely for me, part of it was part of the, the grief of that was not knowing, not having the first idea how long it was going to go. Because if you can see the end of the tunnel, you can probably make it through the tunnel. But if you have no idea how many curves you've still got and how long you've got, then so I think part of the burden of it was, when is this going to end? Well, we don't know. Yeah. That was, that was hard. And I think yeah. that's one of the things when people lose sight of the end of the proverbial tunnel, I think they just feel lost and then they just curl up and, and don't, don't try anymore. Yeah. Or they just go through the motions. Like, that's what I was feeling. I was like, just going through the motions because I had to, because these are my kids and I had to take care of them. But like, and maybe I'd brush my teeth and maybe I'd take a shower, but maybe I wouldn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but, um, but the categories that I, that I thought about were like self-inflicted sadness, kind of like oh, you know, uh-huh. go into my head and like think about all the ways in which I was, I've been a victim to something mm-hmm. or I didn't get something I wanted. And then um, the sadness aff- inflicted upon by others or by, by your environment or whatever, by a pandemic. Um, but there's definitely the self-inflicted kind too, where we just and I, I'm saying this as a person who just sort of wallows sometimes and gets in this mode where I've, I've done that and I have to like sort of snap, force myself out of it. Um, yeah. So, so those are just the two categories I came up with, but, um, do you think that it's, it's possible to understand true joy without understanding true sadness? Like this, this idea of extremes, like, um, you know, understanding one extreme to understand the other. I think probably not. Um, I mean, as a, as a, as adults, but, but then again, okay. So now I'm trying to look at a toddler. So can a talk, is that a human thing or is that an exper- experiential adult thing? Because my instant thing was, no, you've got to have both. But then yeah. if you look at, then if you look at a child. newborn or yeah. a small child, um, I think that they experience pretty extreme joy and then they have to learn. But they, they also, we don't know their sadness. We don't know how depth, like, right. how sad they get. Truly. We know that it's short lived. Like I, it's almost like, you know, it's, a, it's such a short lived moment of joy and a short lived moment of sadness <laughs> that it's hard for us to even gauge the depth mm-hmm. of it or the the you know so it's it's really hard like I, I think I think we'd almost be we'd be like speculating we really that's wouldn't true. know that's very true yeah but it's uh because my answer my answer was also kind of yeah of course like you, you know you know it, you have to 
you have to understand you can't understand it and, and really can, we can't understand any emotion truly <laughs> yeah. I, kind of took understand, <laughs> I kind of took understand as experience like can you can you live true real joy if you if you don't live true um sadness I, I kind of took it to mean not really understand in the head but sort of understand in your soul or whatever yeah. or whatever that means yeah or understand and yeah understand as a feeling perhaps like you mm-hmm. can't see yeah. not really conceptualize but to feel yeah. it to feel it to allow yourself to feel to yeah. feel the sadness and the joy but yeah that's um definitely something to think about but it's uh it's been a good 30 minutes and i I've already taken, you know, so much of your weekend because you've read the whole book and you didn't have to, but thank you so much for doing that. I love, like, it was such a great revisit, you know, like I haven't, I haven't read it in decades yeah. and it was just a neat thing um, to see again, that all those, all those women who impacted her and just, yeah. yeah. Just... And I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss teaching it and I've taught it, you know, nonstop mm-hmm. for the past um nine years and so that is um that's gonna be uh you know sad uh for me to stop teaching but it's okay um but what I loved about this what I love about this unit the most is the writing of the vignettes so when the students write their own vignettes and like we always do with with the first the first few (laughs) vignettes on on the name their their favorite name and not, not their favorite name, their own names, um, oh. like a reflection on their names or a reflection on their house and like how they felt about it growing up. And That's it's cool. very therapeutic. It's very cathartic. Yeah. And, I mean, shouldn't writing be? Yeah. And because the vignettes are so formless and so like, they're so like mm-hmm. such loose structure to them. Um, they feel, I think the students feel really uninhibited when they, when yeah. they're writing. Like so, it's a liberating style. And then the, and then it's brilliant because each one stands alone, but then they're also woven and the whole thing is, is a huge tapestry, but each, each vignette is, it stands alone, but it I also. Know. That's what's yeah, amazing about it. it. Yeah. That's what, it, that's what's amazing about it. I, I that's why I, it's a unique piece, you know, it, it truly is. is. So, well, thank you so much for doing this and for, you know, being my buddy and being willing to do this for me. And, um, yeah, I'm and honored. I, did, you get a, did you get a chance to watch the, I watched some of the, um, award ceremony tonight. Did you got, get a chance to watch some of it? I did not. Oh, it's, it's on, it should be on HSPVA, but, um, yeah, okay. the, the YouTube channel, but it was pretty cool. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, I will. Thanks for the reminder. I mean, I guess it'll stay, right? Yeah, it'll be around. It'll still be around. Okay. But anyway, I can't wait to show you the final product and see what I can do on this editing. <laughs> and um, and yeah, have a good night. And thanks so much. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. Hopefully. See you tomorrow. <laughs> bye. Okay, have a good rest of your weekend. You too. Bye.